There never was a level playing field in Louisiana, and it still is not. Our competitors have far more resources and play much harder ball politics than anything we could, we could do on our own. We're fortunate we have a community that was brave enough to support you know, our vision of putting this system in place. This is episode 313 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. The folks in Lafayette, Louisiana dealt with challenge and adversity as they developed their fiber-to-the-home network LUS Fiber. In addition to warding off both legal and strategic attacks from the big incumbent ISPs, community leaders have had to be mindful of strict state rules that impose added restrictions on their operations. This week, Christopher talks with one of the people instrumental in bringing high-quality Internet access to the people of Lafayette, Terry Huval. Terry is retiring soon, and we wanted to hear some of his reflections on what went well, what were some of the community's toughest challenges, and how they've met and exceeded the goals they set using the fiber network as a critical development tool. There's much to the story of Lafayette, including our 2012 report, Broadband at the Speed of Light. For more, check out muninetworks.org. Now here's Christopher with Terry Huval from Lafayette Utility System. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance back in my office in Minneapolis. But today I'm speaking with Terry Huval, the director of Lafayette Utility System in Lafayette, Louisiana. Welcome back to the show. Bonjour. How are things down there deep in Cajun country? Oh, it's nice and steamy and hot and beautiful. <laughs> Just the way you like it, I am sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Terry, you've been on before, and and you've you've been there from the beginning. And in fact, you were probably the the first one to suggest the idea uh, to the mayor, um, to Mayor Durrell at the time. Um, you know, we've we've covered the backstory of the Lafayette utility system, um, but I, I think there's a couple of points I'd just like to to make for people who aren't as familiar. And one is that I think that you are one of the most successful citywide municipal fiber networks, um, and I, and I say that not just because of you've you've broken even you know you've never had to use a dime of taxpayer dollars as was your intention you've created tons of jobs changed the culture in beneficial ways i mean but you did it in the face of more adversity than almost any other network and so i just wanted to to sort of lay that out there as a as a background of of what we're talking about in lafayette and and let me just ask you is that about right in your mind yeah yeah i think you're right i i don't know i'm not, i mean i'm not sure how much trouble anybody else had in the country, and I've monitored some of that, but I do know that we had more than our share of struggles having to uh, move forward with at least uh, announcing the project as well as getting it constructed. Uh, the, our adversaries were, were very, very strong and, and pushed really hard and cost us a lot of money and a lot of time, but we made it through it. And I think it is worth noting, because as as I'm sure you know, and as people who listen know, um, we were supportive of cities that decide to use taxpayer dollars. Uh, but but for you, it's been a point that you would never use taxpayer dollars, and and you have not. Is that right? That is correct. From the beginning, uh, we we never did, and the only money that we used to build a system was money that we either borrowed or earned. 
the the question that I that I really want to start off with. Sometimes I end with this, but I, I with you, um, you've announced that you're going to be retiring before too long, um, and so I think it's really a great time to reflect and and ask you, knowing now, that, I mean, when you got started with this, you were trying to build a, a utility system that would just meet local needs. Uh, you ended up going through lawsuits, <laughs> multiple battles uh, in the state capitol, um, you know, endless freedom of information att- requests used as a weapon against you um, reports that even when you were succeeding claimed that you were failing um, you've had the incumbent industries try to harm your you know harm you in, in other areas of utility that aren't even related to broadband so I, I knowing you I know that you'll say it was worth it but but can you tell me why it was worth it for the amount of sleep that you've lost <laughs> well yeah those, most definitely our community has benefited from making this happen. Uh, I, in, in all fairness, I think if someone would have said, okay, Lafayette and Terry, if you, if you decide to take this path, here's what you're going to have to go through. Uh, I think that would have been a much more tepid reaction to that locally. I mean, I, while people might've been excited about it, the idea that we we're going to go through all of that uh, challenge and all of that cost and all of that risk uh, would have been, I think would have, would have Will cool some heels, but you know that's not what happened. What happened is that it, each each event that we had to deal with, each situation that popped up, it was just like one more step we had to go through. So the fact that we're taking it one step at a time made it palatable, uh, and uh, it taught us a lot. And actually, uh, our competitors kind of did us a favor because they created more attention for what we wanted to do than we could have ever possibly have put out there on our own. Uh, and so in some cases, I think I ought to send them a thank you note for making so much noise about it that uh, that our av- early advertising didn't have to say more than we're ready to serve you. Well, and one of the things that, that you noted when you finally were allowed to start building the network was that your capital cost to build the network declined significantly because of the amount of years that you lost uh, fighting in courts for just the authority to do it. Yeah, and not, and not only that, we also ended up getting the benefit of the next uh, generation of infrastructure that was available. Our system was one of the first ones to be put in that would have had the ability to go from not only to hard megabit per second uh, speeds, but to gig and with minor modifications to to uh, 10 gig, and which we're offering that now too. So, you know, it, it actually... Put, gave us the opportunity to, to build it, use a more advanced topology that allows us to continue to grow our system at a much faster rate than we could have with the previous technology. So we want to thank our competitors for, <laughs> for giving us that opportunity. The heritage of the Cajuns is strong. Um, you know, it's worth noting that every generation thinks the generation after it is is weaker and softer. But but much like your your ancestors who settled the region, that probably should not have been settled given the, the weather you face on a daily basis. Um, you know, you're, you're always up for a challenge, it seems like. Um, let's talk a little bit about what you've experienced and, and how you got through it. Because as I noted, you faced a lot of competition. And, and I think if you go back to what 
um, Mayor Durrell's talking points back when the referendum to to move forward with this project, you know, his critique was often one that the private sector would not do this, that there was not real competition and investment that you needed. And I fully agree that he was right. And yet over the years, you know, I, th- I think you would say that you have faced stiff competition. So how do we understand that in that we both are frustrated, a lack of competition, and yet when you get into this, it feels very competitive. Oh, there's no doubt that what happens is that the the private sector has done a really good job of scaring communities uh, and and uh, to keep them from doing this. And they've done such a good job with that that there's only a few communities or a handful that may try to do so. And so when that happens, then those large companies use all their resources and just you know pour it on those on those poor communities that are trying to make make that take place. And that's what we went through here. You know, in fact, what we saw you know long after we got in got really deep into the construction of it is that our competitors were lowering their prices in Lafayette, but not lowering the, their prices in other communities that were outside of Lafayette, like Baton Rouge was paying more for cable TV uh, service uh, and internet service than the people in Lafayette were. Whereas prior to that time that they were, they were paying the same. So competition, you know, worked very granularly uh, in, in our, in, in, in this area. And, and so, and that was tough because that meant we had to, keep our prices lower than maybe our price points could have otherwise had been, uh, which made our profitability more difficult, made it more take more time for us to get to that point. So they certainly did everything they could uh, from a from pricing and marketing perspective, as well as just from when we were constructing the system, you know, trying to find ways to, to get in our way. And uh, as you pointed out, our, our, our cultural here is, is very, fairly resilient and fairly hard-headed. And, uh, and we kept plowing through and finding ways to get done what needed to be done. In, in eight years or so, I think you've had to raise or I would say adjust your prices. You, you raised your prices while offering higher capacity connections uh, one time that I'm aware of while always maintaining that, um, that low cost affordable option uh, that people can take without signing on to other services. What, what do you do in, in this environment? Or I, I guess there's several different questions around pricing, but, but the first one I'm, I'm curious about is how do you maintain such low pricing or consistent price? in the face of, of um, you know, different promotional deals that are rolling through and other challenges? You know, we have learned uh, how, how to play that game. Uh, you know, it, it, uh, initially, I got to tell you, being a utility guy, you know, the rates to, to customer A are the same rates I charge to customer B, the same rates I charge to customer C. And I realized not long into this business that I wasn't going to be able to, we weren't going to be able to be successful had we done that because there are always people out there that are looking for deals. And if you don't have some kind of package you can put out there, even though it might be for two years or whatever, if you don't do that sort of thing, you're going to lose an important uh, segment of the population you try to serve. So we've had to kind of go with the uh, approaches that attract customers and retain customers. That that was a that was a learning curve for us, and and also we had to learn that you know you, you're not going to make it in this business if you don't you know, increase your rates to cover what your costs are. And our big cost increases through the years have been cable television. And while cable television is kind of dropping in popularity, uh, there's still a, a very important segment of our uh, customer base that wants that service. And if we're going to offer it, we're going to have to increase the prices. And, and on the internet side, people want 
you know, high, good high-speed internet and using more and more of it. We had to make adjustments there too to keep our rates to where you know it was. We had to increase them, but we always kept them at a level that was cheaper than our competitors, and uh, and we shaved it really tight. Uh, but it, it it's worked out well for us. Right, that's a it's a good reminder. I'm sure that your your television prices have gone up more than more than once just because that's the nature of the business. Um, so I guess I, I missed a few times, but you did adjust your your rates a couple of times where you increased the speeds that were available and and bumped up the uh, the prices on the internet. Um, as as we all know, that the television prices escalate much more rapidly. What we try to do with the internet is every time we increase the rates for the internet, we give the customers more speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they got something in exchange for the, the increases, and the increases were never very large increases. It might be like a a couple of bucks. I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, each year. But it's you know what happens in the business is that as you see the shift taking place of more and more people cutting the card, you know that's that's this is good that they're buying our internet services. But if we don't adjust our rates so that we're not so dependent upon the cable TV uh, service especially, uh, then we're going to find ourselves in a, in a financial position that will not be uh, attainable in the long term. Mm-hmm. So there, there has to be some really careful monitoring of what's what's happening with your customer base, how people are responding to it, and recognizing that if we can increase speeds and, and increase uh, prices just a little bit, that customers will see that as a big plus for them because they're looking more and more for, for, for faster speeds, not necessarily just to play games and so forth, but just by the, for the fact that they're utilizing the internet in their homes for more things than just streaming. Terry, you mentioned the utility mindset that you came into to start this with. And I think this is one of the things that we often identify as as a real challenge for cities that have successful, um, and not just successful, but I mean, very well run municipal electric utilities, figuring out in particular how to deal with advertising. So can you walk us through you know, what you experienced on that end? Yeah, on the advertising side, we contract with a, with a couple of uh, different advertising firms in Lafayette. Uh, went through the process with them as to you know what were our strong suits, what were the messages we wanted to get out there, how do we want to portray ourselves to the public, then deciding what mediums we would use, and and that's been fairly broad. I mean, you know, certain things like billboards, television, you know, all the things that you can have with the, uh, the you know, the, the various medias out there that can allow you to get seen on the, on the, to the public. But the other thing that we, we thought was important to do was to sponsor major uh, events in our community that are well-respected. Lafayette has a culture this Cajun zodical music culture. So it's a, it's a, there are events that take place here. A couple of pretty broad, big festivals here: Festival International and Festivals Acadienne. And we've become the sponsors, the prime sponsors of both of those events. And our logic there was that we felt that our customers or the people of Lafayette who are proud of their heritage and proud to have these kind of events in town would be more enamored with us, would be more likely to, if they had to make a choice to, to buy our services because we're supporting what they think is important. You know, and that, that's pretty fundamental in all kinds of advertising, but especially from a local perspective, you know, we're able to say some things and do some things our competitors can't possibly say because they serve other territories, you know, but we we had that uniqueness that we could, you know, work in our favor. The, the, the focus was always on keep it local, 
you know, make it make it clear that we that one of the unique things that we have going for us is that we are we are your system. You own the system, and it's uh, it's providing good things for the community as a whole. And you sponsor the Wi-Fi at the airport. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious, what kind of, is that a headache? I mean, is that something that is, you know, relatively easy to do? Um, I'm sure it gets you a lot of visibility, but I've, I've always been curious what it takes to, to do something like that at the airport. No, it wasn't that, that complicated. Uh, I mean, we just, uh, we, sat, we talked to the folks at the airport and said what we wanted to do. We had some, some supporters amongst the board of the airport to begin with, so that always helps. And we set up the system. Uh, put a gig in the airport, and so and and the people love it. It's it's free, it, and it's kind of a we have billboards in the airport to to advertise that, and so it's another one of those things that we think uh, is is a good thing, not only for our local customers but also for people that are traveling to see something there's something really unique here in Lafayette because it's a a fairly small airport that's got gig, and we don't see it happening in too many airports in the country. Right, but although you do get quite a lot of traffic for some of your your various festivals through, I'm sure. Oh yes. yes. So is that are those your employees then that like go and tinker with an access point when it goes down, or is that something that the airport takes care of? No, in this particular case, it's a it's a sponsorship that we have. So it's just as though we we're paying the airport to do something. We're, in essence, we are paying them, and then they're kind of paying us back by the same amount of dollars for us to put up the system at our cost and operate the system. Uh, so it, it it works well for what they're trying to get done, and from our standpoint, we uh, we ensure that the system is working properly going forward. So one of the things that uh, we've been excited to see here was that after um, a long period of making this network work very well in Lafayette uh, City, that you'll be expanding. And my my geography is a little bit limited down there, but I'm guessing you're expanding to other communities that are within the parish uh, that are just very close by. That is correct. Yes. So we we had been getting requests from people outside the city of Lafayette for some time to get service to them, but after all, this system was voted on by the citizens of the city of Lafayette, and we had an obligation to serve them first. And so after we laid out all the fiber to the locations that were initially planned to be served, then we had an opportunity to start looking at serving outside the city, the, the state law that's in effect that has given us so much challenges in the past does not restrict us from serving or uh, restrict us from serving outside the city. It allows us to serve any, really any where we want to in the state. Uh, we're not looking at going all over the state, but I mean, certainly it, it, there's no limitation. So we uh, there's a couple of communities that have uh, good high growth rates, a little town of Broussard and Youngsville, which are just south of Lafayette. And uh, our infrastructure was not very far from those communities. They're very close to the city of Lafayette. But we got with, uh, with uh, Mayor Robodeau, who's the mayor now, and I discussed it with him and told him, look, here's what I think we should do. We, we, we're getting requests for this. It's a good way for us to make some, some money, uh, and it'll, it'll, help to, it'll help our profitability. But I, I, you know, I had, he and I both agree we weren't going to do this on a speculative basis. We're going to do it based on, you know, on having some pretty good, good sense that we're going to have success. And these first developments that we served have been just that. We've had some wonderful success out of it. 
people are very excited about it. Uh, it's been interesting to see that that long after we begin, begin putting fiber in those developments, uh, some of our larger competitors start putting fiber in that area. In fact, uh, the larger competitors in the area is the guys that fought us all this time. It, it's just been in the last couple of years we've seen them starting to put fiber, but only in places where they think they can make the highest profitability. Uh, but uh, the good news is that we're there first in so many locations. So we've uh, we've already got you know a good bit of that market on it with people that are very satisfied with our our services. Well, that actually reminds me that um, I was curious. What is your uh, take rate within the city of Lafayette now? Yeah, it's about forty three percent. We knew if we got above thirty eight percent, we'd be where we needed to be in our, our according to our business plan, and that we we're right there with it. So forty three percent gives you uh, enough net income at the end of the year to to invest that in some nearby communities. And you know, for people who might not be familiar, I'm I'm guessing you probably already run the electricity to those houses. You probably maybe do the water as well. Is that is that right? Yeah, in the city of Lafayette, yes, we provide electric water and sewer service. You don't in the parish. In the parish, we, we, we have some areas that we serve, but very few. Uh, there's other utility companies in those areas that provide service there. Okay, but the one thing that I'm, unless something's changed, I know that you do do is you generate electricity, and you generate more electricity than you use, and you export that to, you have agreements with others that buy that as well, right? Yes, we we have done that. A lot of the whole electric market has changed, so we're actually uh, taking advantage of lower cost power that we can uh, sh- uh, use in Lafayette, you know, from outside. So it's a it's a buy and sell sort of thing. It's a it's it's a market driven uh, type approach to energy in this area now, just like it is in many parts of the United States. So that that model has changed a good bit, uh, but our customers are, are still getting you know really good low cost electric service too. Great. I just wanted to sort of throw some of those things out there. And apparently, I had a few misconceptions myself. But but for a municipal utility, it's it's not always the case that these things naturally stop at the the border's edge. Um, there's a lot of cases in which utilities help each other out. They they cross over a little ways. So uh, for you to expand internet access is not something that's um, outside the norm. I don't think. No, it's not outside the norm. It's just that when you look at what's happening in some other states like in Tennessee, where there's restrictions on where they can extend their system, you know, we're, we're fortunate that, uh, that our law does not uh, provide that type of uh, limitation. Now, one of the things that I'm, I'm definitely curious about is you know, there was this idea of a, of a level playing field in Louisiana. Um, do you feel like you're, you have the, the same um, advantages and vulnerabilities as your uh, cable and telephone competitors? There never was a level playing field in Louisiana, and it still is not. Uh, our our competitors have far more resources, and you know, play much harder ball politics than anything we could we could do on our own. We're fortunate; we have a community that was brave enough to support you know, our vision to put this system in place. Uh, but it's been a struggle. Uh, the the private companies have just so many advantages over what we have, you know, on, you know, for example, we have to, you know, we go through an audit every year to make sure that we're not selling our services too cheap to local government. Right. Yes. That sounds weird, right? They want to be sure that we're charging local government the same price that we're charging folks on the outside. You know, it sounds silly because we should be able to, if we decide that Lafayette government is a large enough entity to where we can sell in bulk or whatever, we ought to be able to charge at a cheaper price, but we can't do it. So their their purposes in, in the, with this Fair Competition Act are allegedly Fair Competition Act, you know, to make it more difficult and more cumbersome for us to be uh, successful and, uh, you know, to actually 
increased cost to our community so they could say, well, look at that, their costs are going up because of fiber, you know, so it's that, it's that kind of game that gets played and uh, it's unfortunate, but, you know, they, they, these guys have deep pockets and, and they play the politics very well and they do it 365 days a year in areas that we don't, and dealing with people that we don't always know. Well, the reason I wanted to ask you that right after the expansion is because it's worth remembering that those things have real-world consequences. One of them, I'm guessing, is that uh, you know you as a as a utility would have liked to have expanded this system more rapidly and probably further than uh, you may be able to because you're constantly worrying about um, these unfair um, and certainly uneven regulations. Um, so there's people outside of Lafayette who would have much better internet access, have have a choice in providers that don't have it today because of those rules. Oh, that's true. In fact, extending outside the city has created some stir that's that's caused us to have to go back to the Public Service Commission to go through an audit. Uh, you know, that's that's all happened again. And, you know, but we're confident we're going to do fine with it. But it's the sort of things that, that those companies can do that, you know, they don't they don't get a, you know, uh, they don't they don't get something served to them in that same way. It's It's just it's just the way that they play that game, and we, so we always we're always looking over our shoulder every time we decide to do something bold. We say, okay, what's going to happen? You know, what what's the pushback we're going to get, and uh, and then you know make a decision based on that, and try to try to hit it as as much uh, as much in the in the right sweet spot as we can. When the referendum happened uh, thirteen years ago, you know, one of the major campaign slogans and organizing rallying points was was about the children, making sure that the children uh, that were growing up in Lafayette could stay in Lafayette, or if they wanted to leave for university and they'd be able to come back and get great jobs in Lafayette. Uh, many of those kids are of that age now where I guess they're making those decisions. So um, is that happening? Is that, has that been successful? Yeah, we're seeing we're seeing a lot of that. You know, it, it, there's so many reasons why a person might stay here or not stay here, but there are you know, there are jobs in Lafayette. There are economic development opportunities that's come up through the years of companies building operations here that are able to hire these people. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I think uh, I, I think certainly it has been a component that's helped Lafayette continue to grow, because from the beginning of this project to now, each year. Lafayette has grown. It never has gotten less. And from each year, from the beginning of this project to now, we have grown. We have continued to increase our overall net revenues, our overall gross revenues. You know, we're we're getting close to forty million dollars of gross revenues now, and clearing about eight million dollars after we pay all of our costs of uh, of of operations. So that's what gives us the position now to have the cash necessary to begin serving other areas. So it's a huge success in that regard. Now you're still going to have those people out there is going to say, well, lab, yeah, but look at your your income statements and your and your depreciation. And, and there's no doubt that we were underwater because of depreciation for a while. Uh, but but we have gotten above that. Uh, we're 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 uh, in positive net income uh, in the tune of you know three or four million dollars a year, and that's going to continue to grow as time goes on. So we're well on our way as a system that. Uh, I served as first customer really nine years ago, nine and a half years ago. Uh, you know, we've gone, we've come a long way from those those early days.
Is there anything that uh, anything else you want to tell us uh, before you before you leave? I mean, you're always going to be welcome to come back, but I don't know if I'll be able to to track you down after you step down as a director. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 you've got my cell number, so you could always find me. But no, I I have really enjoyed my work here. Uh, it'll be twenty. 20- Four years when I when I retire, I worked 16 years before that with another electric utility company. So I've had 40 years in the, in that business, and the last uh, I guess 14 years since we talk begin talking about fiber for the first time, you know, it's been uh, an invigorating challenge for me and my team and and for our community, and it's been uh, it's created a lot of excitement. A lot of public support, uh, and uh, we uh, we look forward to continuing to to grow this system. And uh, the the good news is I have some really fine people that I've worked with here. Some you know very bright young minds, and uh, they've been sitting at the table with me all the way through this process. So they know what to do. They know how to get there. And I still live in town. So you know, we, no matter what, uh, we're gonna we're gonna always, there's always be a connection there, and it's. Uh, a, a proud part of our history. Well, wonderful. Thank you, Terry, for uh, letting us know what's going on and, and also uh, being an inspiration for people to know that uh, this can be done, even in the face of overwhelming opposition. Well, thank you, Chris. And look, thank you to you and so many others that have been so supportive of us, and especially in those days where we were struggling. You know, y'all voices uh, gave, us, uh, gave us hope because we sometimes people will try to attack you or try to attack us to say that you you know you guys don't know what you're doing or you, this can't be done and when you talk to others and especially folks like you who see the see the vision of it all it it gave us a lot of a, a lot of inspiration to go forward with this so thank you so much that was Christopher speaking with Terry Huval from Lafayette Utility System discussing LUS fiber remember to read up on LUS fiber and the struggle in Lafayette at muninetworks.org we have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and the other ILSR podcasts, Building Local Power and the Local Energy Rules podcast. Never miss out on our original research, Subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. We want to thank Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. And thank you for listening to episode 313 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast.